Ladies and gentlemen, if you like the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head over to patreon.com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards if you donate to the show. For just $1 a month, you'll get a bonus mini episode of the show every Monday in your inbox, as well as access to all the past mini episodes. These episodes will never be available on iTunes or smugfilm.com or anywhere else. The only way to hear them is by donating $1 a month through patreon.com slash smugfilm. For $5 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes. Plus, we will do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Your movie, your small business, how cool you are, your Twitter handle, whatever it is, we'll plug it. For $10 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes. Plus, we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on every single episode of the show. That's four episodes a month. That's an incredible deal. So once again, the URL is patreon.com slash smugfilm. Head on over there today, and we look forward to your kind donation. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today, live via Skype, is Chloe Peltier. Hey, what's up? How's it going, girl? It's good. This is kind of a part two to a previous Chloe episode. And that episode was Chloe movies and and I guess the education of Chloe Peltier. I think that's what we dubbed it. That was episode 49. So if you want to go back to that one, hear that first part. I mean, you don't really need to technically hear that first part. You can keep listening to this one. In that episode, I told Chloe to watch three movies because Chloe has this problem. Uh, it's not really like a problem per se. It's not like, you know, kleptomania or pyromania or anything. <laughs> it's just that you you have a tendency to watch movies that are within your own viewing comfort zone. Is that a good way of putting it? Yeah, yeah. So, sure. yeah. So I wanted you to check out movies that maybe a little bit outside of Chloe movies because we kind of come up with a, a term Chloe movies in that last episode. And I wanted you to check out some, you know, outside of the, that realm stuff because it's stuff you'll like. It's just stuff you won't naturally gravitate towards, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah. So the three movies that we chose for that was, well, I chose for that Rocky, the sixth sense and days of heaven. Yep, and they were all great. Yeah, you liked all of them, right? I loved them all. Let's start with Rocky, because Rocky's a movie that John D'Amico's been trying to get Jenna to watch for uh, damn near as long as we've been doing this show. Yeah, yeah, can I do my John D'Amico impression? He goes... Go for it. He goes, just watch Rocky, goddammit. I, I, I think I kind of did it. That's really. pretty good. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's the truth. Just ro- watch Rocky, goddammit, because... It, it's still weird to me when people haven't seen Rocky. You know, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, you haven't seen Star Wars or, oh, you haven't seen Jaws or whatever. But like Rocky specifically, that's my one of those. I feel like everybody has one of those where it's like, oh my God, I can't believe you haven't seen. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I champion Rocky hard because it's kind of a movie. You can see it when you're a kid, you can see it when you're a teenager, an adult, whatever. You're always going to get something a little extra from it, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was really impressed with it. And I think that uh that like the reasons why it's good are reasons you might not expect from like kind of the reputation it seems to have, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean the the thing that me and John talked about, I forget what episode, but uh but we were talking about how how Rocky, you know, what people associate with Rocky is just the sequels. Their idea of Rocky in their head is the sequels to Rocky, in particular Rocky Four. When people think about Rocky, they think about Rocky Four. And that's not necessarily even one of the best sequels. It's probably the most iconic of the sequels because just everybody knows the archetypes from it. Ivan Drago and Rocky and U.S. versus Russia and the montages, the endless montages. But Rocky, the actual first film, you know, it's it's just a really good standalone American classic. Yeah, and it's so emotional. Yeah. Like, it's it's a lot more sensitive than I expected it to be. Like, I really like character stuff and, and his character and even the characters of all of his friends and stuff. You really feel like they're real people, kind of. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, there's all these weird parts where stuff is, like, it's hard to say. It's, like, it, it's, like, exaggerated weird because, like, there's, I remember there's a couple scenes where it's dubbed over. And, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, but that's a budget thing, you know. Yeah, but it was, it's interesting to me because, like, those are, like, both some of my favorite scenes and also, like, I kind of laugh at them a little. So it's, like, this weird thing where it's, like, both. Like the part where uh, Adrian yells at her brother mm-hmm. and she's like, she's like, I'm not a loser. You made me feel like a loser. And then she runs away and she goes like, ah, and like, <laughs> and like the dubbing on it is weird because it's, uh, it's like they dubbed over the whole thing and she's yelling and like, they don't look like they're yelling as loud as they are in the dubbing and like, but at the same time, it's just so emotional because it's like, it somehow captures something like how it would feel if it was that actually that situation. Like you feel like you're yelling louder than you actually like would be. That's interesting. That's a really good observation. It's interesting to think of, of, of bad dubbing as adding something. It almost like added like this surreal, like, like this quality of like, cause she, it's like she wanted to like stand up to her brother for such a long time, but like, couldn't and then rocky kind of gave her the courage and then when she does it's like sounds weird you know and that's kind of how it came off to me and even him like the brother's reaction to it sounds weird too yeah because he's like oh she's busted but he like kind of like mumbles it but it's like louder and it's weird it's like the whole thing feels like this it's all like their emotions are like eking out of them like way harder than their mouths can do it Mm. it's really strange yeah i like that a lot it feels almost like dreamlike you know (laughs) yeah and like the whole time Rocky's not really saying anything. He's just kind of like observing all of it. And like he kind of like glares at him and like he like holds his collar and stuff. Or It's intense. It's an intense scene, man. And the lighting on like her face when she uh, when she's like yelling at him and stuff. It's like half of her face is like dark. Because I remember I went back to that shot and like looked at it. I even took a screenshot of it because it was like so intense. And it's like it's kind of amazing. <laughs> I don't know. Right on. I feel like there's so much... I feel like Adrian's character is just as deep as Rocky's character in a way. Yeah, it's a very interesting character. I've always I've always really liked her in that film. You know, she she gets less to do in the sequels and uh, more to do in that first one, I think. And also, um, you know, I, I just really love their dates and stuff. And I love the, uh, yeah. the pet store stuff. It's like all... The thing about Rocky is it's got all this great romantic comedy stuff but it's not marred by, you know, the confines of a romantic comedy. Well, again, there's like so much awkwardness to it. Yeah. And 
you don't have to suffer through like the exact template of a romantic comedy to get all these awkward, cute moments. You know, it's it's still in the confines of a rocky template of a film. So it's almost like you get to appreciate those little moments more because they're not so expected and they're not so like checklisty. Like rom-coms can be kind of checklisty where it's like, all right, now it's the time for this and now it's the time for this and now this has to happen. Whereas with Rocky, they they get to be special moments like they would in actual life almost. Yeah, that's a good point. There's so many interactions between them, those two that feel like real life. Like um, when he kisses her for the first time, it's like, it's so uncomfortable, you know? And yeah. you usually see it be like way less so in movies when people are kissing and like, it like doesn't discredit that it's romantic though, you know? There's yeah, like their conversation. It just feels like to me, you know, when you're a kid and you have like ideas of genres, there's there's certain films that just typify a specific genre. And just and I feel like Rocky is just a drama. You know, that's yeah. that, that's my idea of a drama. Like those those scenes and those beats where people are yelling at each other, like that. Just to me, that just that says drama. You know, I don't I don't think that'll ever shake. Even though, like, of course, I know that dramas can do all sorts of other things because I've grown up and I've seen all sorts of different dramas. But like to me that Rocky is still like the perfect idea of what a drama is in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, for sure. And it's got funny moments too. And you know, but it's just in general, I would say it's just this perfect little drama. Yeah. There were parts that made me laugh though. Like, like you said, like uh, the part, where he calls those kids coconuts. Yeah, exactly. Hell up, I just, yeah, I just love how he <laughs> talks to people and yeah. how he interacts with his environment and everything. It's just, it's, it's beautiful and it, it's so funny. And I just love the pet store stuff so much. I can't even stress that enough. It's just perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I love when he's talking about it afterwards too. He's like, I go into the pet store. I make the jokes every day. I know. <laughs> 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 You just love him. You love him so much. He's one of the most lovable characters I've ever seen in the film. So another thing about Rocky, you know, when you were bringing up the whole thing of the dubbing, being dubbing and being distracting and clearly dubbing, but also working, it kind of reminded me of the fight stuff because, you know, some of the the fight sounds and you can, there's parts where you can tell that like punches aren't really landing and there's just an awkwardness to it in a couple of spots. It's not like you don't, you don't watch Rocky for like a pitch perfect depiction of a fight. You know, you're not watching it for that. It's not going to look like a boxing match really, but the way that punches don't connect and the way that the sounds are, it really does capture how it feels exactly rather yeah. than how it is. And uh, much like the dubbing, it's like, yeah, you could point to it and be like, Oh, Rocky sucks. That's all cheesy. You know, it doesn't really look like an actual fight, but it, it really works on a feeling level, on an emotional level, on a visceral level as far as the film, you know? I think that's a really good point because I think if you were getting punched in the face repeatedly... Yeah, it's not going to feel real. Yeah, it wouldn't. It would feel like you're... Uh, it would feel like things are delayed and weirdly disjointed and like the sounds would be echoey weird and like... Yeah, that's why people you know? talk about like seeing stars, you know? Yeah. It feels like that and it looks like that and that's the subjective version of that. And I think yeah. you, there, there's merit to that, you know? Not everything has to look convincing. 
it just has to convince you on like an emotional level. And I think it does. I think that's the power of that climax of that film is that you emotionally connect to it, even if maybe a little bit of what you're seeing, you're seeing the strings, so to speak. Yeah. And I really like how as the fights like go on, you see like his face get more screwed up, but it's not like you see it like right away in reaction to the hits. It's like kind of like this layered thing. I don't know how to really describe it, but it's like they do the makeup on his uh his face so well when yeah. he gets hit like his eye all swollen up and everything and it seems it feels like the movie's got like, like the way that it's shot like the graininess of it or like the colors or something like maybe whatever kind of film they shot it on i don't know it just feels like it works for that really well absolutely and, all right so what would you give rocky out of five i want to say five i mean yeah perfect movie not? i don't see anything i didn't like about it all right so you yeah. heard it here first. Rocky is a flawless film. Yeah. I mean, most it. people feel that way about Rocky. You are you are not in the minority. I would give it, I'd give it like four and a half. Just because right. for, for five, it has to be something that's like extremely important to me. You know, it right. has to, that's true. It has to be like, I don't know, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring. Like that's a five. Oh. That's just a fucking five if I ever saw one. It is. And Buffalo 66, just because it means so much to me. That's a fucking five. Well, damn it. Now you're making me want to change it to a four and a half. (laughs) (laughs) No, please. Apparently, it's it's a very important film to you. (laughs) No, but you don't have to have the same criteria as me. I think think not being able to find a flaw with it is, is perfect for calling something a five. Yeah, I just think it's a really good depiction of life, you know? It's like you said, it's just like, it's just like the things about it that depict like they show like how it feels rather than how it is so much with like everything in it and i i I haven't i was kind of shocked with it because i hadn't really seen a lot of movies that did that let alone like i didn't expect that movie to do that i didn't expect like a movie about boxing to do that like at all because like you said it's like you know the tropes of like rocky four and stuff but like i haven't seen any of them so i didn't know anything about like which movie does what or whatever Right, so you probably assumed more cheese than there actually was. Yeah, well, I assumed more fight-centric and, like, about, like, that than about, like, the emotion and about um, about the characters and stuff, so. Yeah, so if, you, if you're listening and for by some chance you haven't seen Rocky, uh, definitely check it out because, you know, it, it's not what you're going to expect. You know, if you're, if you're American or if you are familiar with American whatever stuff. <laughs> if you're American. You, you have an idea of what Rocky is in your head, and that first one isn't necessarily that. So yeah. I think it's it's definitely one to check out and see with your own eyes and, and see what it actually is, because what it is is very, very important and and very enjoyable, like almost exceedingly enjoyable. Like I, it's one of those movies I could be in the mood for most times out of 10, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, do you think that I'll like the other ones very much, though? Because like, are are they like really that different from that? No, I mean they're not. They're not hugely different. It's just that the you know everybody kind of agrees. Yeah, they're pretty good, and maybe some people have a a favorite of the bunch or whatever. But they're 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 all nowhere near as good as the first one. But how could they be? You know. But they're they're. I think you're gonna like them. They're they're enjoyable films. I like all of them. I like five. A lot of people don't like five, except for me and Mark Covino. We like Rocky Five. <laughs> you and Mark Covino are like 
We're separated at birth, man. Yeah, man. Like, I love the episodes with Mark Covino. Yeah. You know, he's always going into, like, deep shit he's gone through in life. I feel like the next episode, he's going to discover that him and I are are actually brothers or something. (laughs) It's weird. We have these weird lineups in, like, our taste where they're just perfectly one one and the same. It's like you you can go your whole life never meeting another person that likes Rocky Five, but fucking me and Mark, we found each other. We both like Rocky Five, man. Reunited and it feels so good. Oh no, now we're going to have to pay for that. <laughs> I don't think we will. My rendition was so terrible that it's not even the same thing. Right on. But uh, now, I think you'll like the rest. You'll probably like Five. You'll probably be like me and Mark. Yeah, probably. Because I tend to agree with you and Mark pretty frequently. Yeah, on the old Facebook. Yeah, dude. We're all related. All right, so moving on <laughs> to uh, Sixth Sense. Yeah. 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 That's a good movie, right? Oh, yes. Now, what M. Nights have you seen now? Oh, Lord. Um, I have seen that one, and I have seen The, the Visit, which I loved, and I have seen... Unbreakable, which I also liked a lot, but I saw it in college, and you know how Chloe in college is. You know what's going to happen? Uh, what? You're going to watch that one again, you're going to be like, that's a great fucking movie. Unbreakable? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I felt that way before. You want to know why? Why? Because that's a great fucking movie. Word. Uh, it's just a great fucking movie. Also, I just really like Bruce Willis, man. Yeah, like, and uh, he gets this emotional quality out of Bruce Willis that a lot of people don't. You know? I have to say, though, I think Bruce Willis doesn't get enough credit for how emotional he is in general. I think that's it, partly his fault. Yeah. Because I think, you know, he's he's rumored to be very difficult to work with. You know, really? no, he's he's impossible to direct. Some people say, but um, Ooh, who's the dicks? Well, I, Kevin Smith talked about working with Bruce Willis pretty candidly. And he said he was he was really, really like exceedingly difficult to work with. But you know, it's like one of those things where it's like people get to a certain fame level and some actors just don't want to act anymore. I mean, a classic example is like Al Pacino. You know, he's he's doing smaller projects now and getting to act a bit. But to a certain extent, he's just doing Al Pacino and Robert De Niro is just doing Robert De Niro. And Bruce Willis, he's just doing Bruce Willis a lot of the time. But it seemed like, you know, with Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, M. Knight got him at the right time or spoke his language or something, but they connected and he did actual work, you know? Yeah, because he really puts a lot into those movies. Yeah. I really like him in uh, 12 Monkeys, too. That's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Like, at least. There was a patch where Bruce Willis was doing some actual acting. Yeah, dude. 12 Monkeys is brutal. Like, his acting is like, it's just really raw and weird. Yeah, that's, that's a really good one. Yeah. But, um... Okay, so bringing it back to Sixth Sense, you know, the, I mean, we've talked about The Visit before. The Visit's fucking fantastic. Yeah, dude. If, if you haven't seen The Visit yet, it's probably out of theaters now, but I think it's coming out on Blu-ray in January. I mean, I'd, I'd say just fucking buy it, honestly. It's so good. And I'm saying that knowing full well that this isn't the movie that's for everybody. But oh, it's, totally. It's totally a movie for me, and it's totally a movie for Chloe, and literally everybody I've told to see it has liked it. So I'm I'm rocking 100% in that regard. So I'm going to I'm just going to go hard. I'm going to go all in and say everybody who's listening will like this movie. And that probably won't be true, but just fucking buy it anyway, please, cuz it's a great film. I think people who listen to this podcast regularly will like it. 
I just think, I don't know. I've told a few people to watch it and they didn't like it, but there were people who didn't listen to the podcast. So that's exactly, you know. I think being a fan of this podcast is a good barometer for a liking good movies. <laughs> We've yeah. got, we got some good fans. Whenever we hear from fans, they're like really intelligent, really good taste. We got like a good group, man. We really do. I feel like a lot of like people, there's like this thing where like they almost hate their fans because for whatever reason, what, what they're doing, they just get dumb fans. It just attracts like shitty people. Well, then they're we not doing the right thing or something. Yeah, else. but like it just kind of happens with stuff. Like you see that with like bands where mm -hmm. like bands will have fan bases that are just so fucking annoying that you'd never want to even get into the music because you think about the fans and you're like, ah, why would they like anything good? Yeah, like Insane Clown Posse and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Insane Clown Posse is pretty bad. But uh, I mean, yeah, that's a good example of a fan base that it's like, why would you ever even sit down and like listen to an Insane Clown Posse album and find some deep cut that you really dig or whatever? Because you just think about Juggalos and you just, you want to vomit in your mouth. It's true. It's just like, you don't ever want to be that. So you just yeah. avoid it. Because you'd probably like slowly turn into that, like without knowing it. Yeah. You'd freak, it'd be like being on drugs. You know, you wouldn't like, you wouldn't have uh, the perspective to realize that it was happening to you. Yeah. So you'd, you'd just, one day you'd wake up and you'd be like, I've been a Juggalo for three years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Stall a blur. Oh, but God, yeah, our, horrible. our fans are awesome, man. We we like our fans. We like when you leave voicemails. Call in 718-395-9711. We like hearing from you. You guys are fucking awesome. We haven't found a shitty fan yet. If you're a shitty fan, let us know because we're looking <laughs> for you. We want to find you because we don't believe you exist. You're like a Sasquatch. <laughs> we don't know. I, I'm not convinced there exists a shitty fan of Smug Film. No, it's just too good. That's, That's right. High. But back yeah. to Sixth Sense. Great film. I'm sure you knew the twist already. I mean, you're you're an adult woman in America. You have, yeah. You have friends. You probably were spoiled, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the classic spoily thing. Yeah, be kind of just like talk to any human and you'd be spoiled on that movie. Yeah. But to me, I mean, I don't know if this was true for you, but I don't think it matters. I don't no. think it matters at all to be spoiled about that movie. And I think anybody who's been spoiled about it and then has sort of written off like, all right, well, I can skip that one because it's not going to be the same. It's like, nah, it's, it, it's really good still. Like it's still a very emotional, very beautiful movie. It's, it's the kind of movie you're going to, you could fucking cry from, you know, I, I've I gotten did. a little teary. <laughs> yeah. Chloe cried. I cried. Yeah. It's, it's a very emotional film and you know, the idea of, of spoiling is like a weird idea. It's like, oh, you ruined you. you ruined the <laughs> film, you know? It's like, but if the film's really, really good, you didn't ruin any, anything, technically. Yes, dude, like I've said that before. It's like, like you've gotten on to me about spoiling and yes, yeah, that's a problem to an extent. But like, I think that a lot, like a lot of really good movies, if you say what happens in them, it doesn't ruin them because it's like, you have to watch it. It's it, the, why would it even exist if like saying what happened ruined it, you know, like yeah. watching it is the important thing because it's how it happens and like how it makes you feel and stuff and all these like indescribable parts of it. Yeah, and any, just, any film that would be that reliant on some sort of twist means that the rest of it just ain't that good, you know? 
Yeah, and I think that might be something that puts people off about Shyamalan because they just assume that that's what he's doing, maybe, like that he just relies on twists. Yeah, he has that reputation, even though like half of his films don't have twists. You know, for yeah. some reason, he, he still has that reputation that he's just this like twist heavy guy. He, he has this reputation as a gimmicky filmmaker. And I don't think that could be farther from the truth. It might just be like that people have talked about Sixth Sense so much and that like there's the whole robot chicken character, the whole like what a twist thing. And like, I don't even know what that is. And I don't want to know what it is. Um, the, the listeners will know. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about robot chicken. I, that's but one that's of those things where like, why the- I just never want to know about it. Like robot chicken. I don't need to know what that is really. No, you don't. You really don't. You know uh, what I mean? There, there are these certain things that like, like Rick and Morty. I don't need to oh, know no. what that is. I don't need to watch that. Adventure time? No, I don't need oh. to know what that is. I got enough going on in my life. I got to figure out what is. I, I don't need to know what adventure time is. Well put, sir. I totally agree. You and feel like, me? Yeah, I feel you. I haven't even had cable since like my parents had it when I was a teenager. So like I just fuck off with that shit, man. Like I don't know what anybody's talking about when they're talking about like orange is the new black or fucking exactly. like any of that garbage. I'm just like, I don't want to. I'll watch a show when I'm damn well ready. There are the certain internet. shows like yeah, you have to watch in life. Like I feel like Deadwood's a show you have to watch at some point in your life. The Wire... You got to watch it at some point in your life. You just, you just have to lost. I mean, we just went through Uh, lost together. I did a rewatch with Chloe. It was her first time. That's a show you have to see in your life. Correct. It's incredible. It's my favorite show now. There you go. And you wouldn't trade any of that for the world. It's just, it's one of those experiences watching something. It's just so fucking good. And we could deviate entirely and just start talking about how stupid People are who who hate Lost and who say the ending sucked and whatever, but we're not going to get into that today. But the point being, there are certain things you can just skip. Like I feel safe skipping anything that that's that like immediately trendy and Mm -hmm. immediately oh you got to watch that. It's like with it's always sunny in Philly. Like that was always talk about that. That was so huge for a time, and then that went away, and now it's like the Bob's Burger. Oh, you got to watch Bob's Burgers. It's like, really? I think I'll be all right. I think I'm going to catch up on some (laughs) directors I still haven't seen a single film of. Or I got shit to do, folks. I can't be watching Adventure Time. Yeah, fuck Adventure Time, It's just, it's all distraction stuff. Whatever it is, it's like all, it's like, it distracts you from from doing shit you need to do. I agree. Like, I feel like I don't have enough time to do shit I need to do already. Like, I can't imagine if I was watching fucking television. I feel like I would just not exist. Television's such a fucking distraction and that's what i think movies are always going to have over television is that you can justify like sitting down and watching like a 90 minute film it's hard to justify watching seasons and seasons of television if it's not great if, yeah. it, if it's just going to be adventure time if it's just going to be rick and morty if it's just going to be one of those things like how can you really justify watching seasons and seasons and seasons of it you know as you can with like watching tons of different films and that in that exact span of total minutes you know what i mean i've also noticed that with this the same people who watch seasons and seasons and seasons of tv and then complain about it also will go see basically any movie and just say it was okay and i like i don't know i'm just too picky to go see any movie i'm too picky to like watch a bunch of tv like i'll only see a movie if like i really want to and like a lot of people i know just go see them and be like 
yeah, it looks all right. I'm going to go check it out. And like afterwards, they're like, yeah. And it's like, why did you spend your time on that then? Like if you knew you weren't going to like it. I mean, I'm, like, a, I I'm about to get outside of the box. I'm about to get a little, little weedy. I'm, I'm about to get a little <laughs> okay. crazy with this. But I think, and this just occurred to me now as you're saying that, these movies that come out and give you that feeling, they're like propaganda to make you think that movies aren't actually that good Interesting. in general. Because you and I both know there are tons of, of fantastic films from all decades, all genres, you know, yeah. but these movies that come out steadily that are new and are branded with new, oh, this new movie coming out. You gotta go see this new movie. And then you go see the new movie and you're like, eh, eh. it's like you do that enough times and you just think all movies are pretty much that. I think that's part of why TV is having this, this resurgence or this golden age, this new golden age or whatever. It's because people have this idea of movies is just shit. That makes sense because like, uh, you know, TV, you get a lot more time with the characters and you yeah. get to develop a lot more stuff and you get to know them better. But I don't know, man. It's like, it almost seems like an excuse for it to be bad though. Cause it's like, you want to know what happens to them and you're like giving, you're like, oh, it's uh, it well, maybe it'll get good later. Well, that's the whole you thing. Know? People are always talking about TV is like, like, I'll try some show that somebody told me to try. And I'll be like, yeah, I wasn't really feeling it. I, I barely got through the pilot. And then they'll be like, oh, well, you know, and of course the pilot sucks. You know, you got to watch more <laughs> episodes. And then I, I'm like, all right. And then it I watch like two and three. And, like, and I'll be like, I didn't like episode two and three. And I'll be like, well, of course the first season isn't the good season. You got to get up to season four, man. Season four is incredible. Oh I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> And no. <laughs> that's how people watch it. It's like, I feel like you get away with shittier product with TV because you can keep that like artificial, like cliffhanger thing where like you can keep interest where it's like, all right, well, I got to find out what happened with that. And then you end up sitting through like 30 hours or something. And what did you really get from it? You didn't really get much from it. Yeah, it's it's terrible. So anyway, six cents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This all leads back to Sixth Sense. Somehow. Which is a great film. Yes, it is. Which I would rather watch 30 hours of just the Sixth Sense. Over and over. Again. Through my lifetime than these shitty fucking TV series. See, I'm trying to segue it. It's not really working. It's okay. <laughs> it's it's still good. It's but still yeah, good. what do you like about Sixth Sense? Everything. Uh, <laughs> like, it's uh, a good movie, right? Yeah, dude. Like, um... I really like the stuff between him and his wife. Haley Joel I, Osment and his wife, right? But, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> That's weird as hell. You silly Cody. Yeah, his silly Cody. <laughs> and children don't have wives. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bruce Willis and his wife. Yes. No, just like um, the way that it's like the almost can communicate but can't and there's like this uh it feels it feels like real relationships almost even though he's as everyone knows dead right so um you know yeah like the, absolutely it's like the ghost thing is like a real relationship metaphor in a way but that's part of why you can be spoiled and it's still it still works mm -hmm. that's the stuff i cried on like, yeah before. absolutely because it's it's just i mean that too i would call that you know, that that's a great drama. You know, sometimes it gets classified as a horror. Sometimes it gets classified as like a, you know, science fiction, whatever, thriller, even a suspense film. I think at its core, it, just like Rocky, it's just a solid drama. Yeah, dude, totally. 
I think the thing about the sixth sense, like with the spoil, the spoiling of the ending or whatever, is like it's almost like if you if you go and see a play and you know it's like whatever, like Romeo and Juliet or whatever, and then but so you know what happens in that, but it's like you're seeing it differently because it's a different cast and it's a different. Like you're seeing how that like theater troupe did it or whatever. Right. And like you're you're so in it because like you're there, like right in the same room with them and everything. And it's like it's like I feel like maybe if we treated like the sixth sense more like that. I know that's like a really weird stretch. No, but yeah, movies in general. I it's mean, just like that you're you're observing like what the people are doing in it and like more like letting yourself go and just like letting yourself be involved in it and not worrying about like what people think about it totally because it's so emotional i feel like i I feel like rocky and the sixth sense are both just so emotional that you're gonna you're gonna like cry or you're gonna feel weird and i don't know it just feels like a defense mechanism it feels like being like whoa i already know what happens is a defense mechanism to like not want to be emotional about the movie not want to like get into the movie absolutely because it's like you know i had a friend who used to watch lost and then she stopped watching it because she got really obsessed with like just the mystery aspect of it and just felt like that was never really getting resolved like this was very early on into the show like this was this was very premature of her and then (laughs) she ended up at a certain point she would just read the synopses of the episodes she wouldn't even actually watch the show anymore and it's like yeah if you just read the synopses you're not going to connect emotionally to anything that's going on and you're there to connect emotionally to things that are going on that's the reason why you watch actors act and you watch dialogue come out of their mouths you know if you if you read a synopsis of the sixth sense you're not going to cry you're not going to have any reaction emotionally at all it's not a fucking riddle it's not a puzzle it's not like a uh you know one of those like page-long mystery things it's like, no, it's a film and people are going through emotions and yeah, you're there to connect with them. Yeah, dude. There's all these little moments like the stuff with like uh, the kid and his mom. Like there's more c- weird community. It seems like the whole thing is like just very about like weird the the problems with communication between people and like people connecting and uh, like the ghost thing is just an exaggeration of it. You know, it's right. it's like um and other ghost movies have done it too. Uh, like Ghost. Yeah, like Ghost. Even Casper has done it, which I love, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's a very heavy thing. And I think that, well, it's it's heavy and it's also, it's kind of simple. It's like kind of beautifully simple, that movie. Like, because everything that happens is really kind of just like, if you think about like with the plot points of it and like everything, it's not really like, it's not really like very complex. Like, it's not really like a lot of like, different uh crazy like hard to understand things are occurring or whatever no. it's just kind of like oh this is like you know i don't i'm not going to describe the plot of it but well to an uh, extent you're just watching people live their lives and their lives are just you know they're interesting they're they're different you know that's yeah. really what it is you're just watching days happen yeah and and you get so into it like you it's like yes you know that he's a ghost but you just kind of like don't care because because like even if he was just a guy it would be that weird like mm-hmm. there are a lot of times like there's times when one of the things about him like you not knowing that he's a ghost is that he like the only person that talks to him a lot of the time is the kid and it's like the reason they get away with that is because in real life a lot of times like 
you'll have an awkward connection with somebody or with a lot of people where like only one person in the room will talk to you or like everybody else will kind of act like you're not there even though you are so it's like all of that could totally be plausible everything that happened to him is really plausible like and that's why i think a lot of it works so well i think is people talk about like you know the cinematography that's like cluing you into the fact that he's a ghost throughout the film or whatever but like a lot of those examples that cinematography it just works for depicting the uh the lack of communication and the distance and the introversion you know, it's just, it works doubly. Yeah, yeah. The cinematography is really nice looking, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's a gorgeous film. Yeah, it's really pretty. Um, I think that was a talk Fujimoto, which is my boy. Oh, uh, yeah. Let me double check that on the internet real quick. Do, 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 do. I think it was. And yes, it was. Yep. Talk Fujimoto. My favorite. Word. One of my favorite cinematographers ever. Yeah, you really kind of feel the weather in that movie. Yeah, it's a great depiction of Philly. Yeah. So um, what would you give it out of five? Uh, well, now I don't know how to even rate things at this point. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> That's my fault. You uh, were all happy-go-lucky. You were like, yeah, if I like it, dude, it's a five. And then I just true. I just destroyed your entire world and way of looking at things. And I'm, I apologize for it. Well, you know, you and I like both, like you were saying in the last episode with me, it's like, it's like we don't take our, you know, our enjoyment of things lightly or whatever. But... I don't know. I'm just I'm just not sure. I really, really like this movie. I have to for the record, I just really love all of the movies we're talking about right now. Like, Absolutely. Like they're I, I think they're it's just uh it's hard for me to decide how to rate them because it's like they're important to me, but like it's like you said, like these aren't they are and they aren't Chloe movies. They're like movies that are like Yeah, not, they're outside just like of about, the Chloe movie thing. Which of course go back to the episode and you can hear exactly what we mean by a Chloe film. But anyway, I, what would you but, give it out of five? Come on. Uh, I still think I'd give it a five. Go know. for it. Fuck it. I'm going to give Fuck all of them it. fives. I'm going to spoil that right now. I'm going to give all of them fives this, <laughs> this episode. Spoiler alert. All these films are getting fives. Yeah, these are great films. But no, I think they're just important to people. Like, I think, I think like all of, I'm starting to realize that all these films have something in common. I don't think you did that on purpose when you assigned them. Not really, I, no. I feel like even though they're all very different from each other, they all have this very like, I don't know, it's just this very like human like thing that's going on. And it's not just like about like one person, like a lot of the movies I like to watch are, or it's not about like, I don't know, I, it, it just seems to be about like communication with, between people and commonalities between people and like a vibe between people and like uh, plots that seem simple but aren't. I don't know. Right on. All right, you know. we're going to take a quick break here and then we'll be back to talk about Days of Heaven. So stick around. We'll see you soon. Hello, Smug Film fans. Did you know that Smug Film now has a voicemail box? Just call the following phone number. 718395 and leave a question or a comment about the show along with your name and we may play it on a future episode. Thank you for listening, and now, back to the show. And now, Chloe Peltier, reviewing a movie she's seen parts of while working at the theater. Around when this episode was recorded, I had three days off, so I wasn't working. So I wasn't walking into movies at the theater. However, I was walking into something that was going on at a theater while I was going about my day. 
And that was Shia LaBeouf's All My Movies, hashtag All My Movies, which was where for three days, which happened to be the same three days I was off, he decided to watch all of his films in reverse chronological order, nonstop, in a theater in New York, and invited people to come sit with him and had uh, a live stream where he was videoing his, his face while he was reacting to all of this. And the only light source was the movie screen. So occasionally, the movie screen would go black, and so the video would go almost completely black. And as I was watching this, it would catch me off guard because, you know, I didn't know what movie he was watching at what time and when it was going to do that. I was paying attention to Shia LaBeouf and then suddenly I would see my own reflection reflected in my laptop and I would be caught off guard and not look a way that one looks when they know they're about to see themselves. What I mean is, you know, when you know you're about to look in the mirror or when you know you're about to have your picture taken or about to take a selfie or whatever, you kind of become too aware of your face and it looks different than if you were to see yourself from the outside or if somebody were to take a picture of you. So it made me think. Seeing myself like that made me think. And it made me wonder if he was aware that this was going to happen to people, that people were going to be watching his footage and suddenly see themselves and start thinking about themselves. And it made me think back to something that happened to me a couple weeks previously. The universe had played a weird situation on me. My grandmother had passed away very suddenly, and she was my closest living relative. Right around that time, I had gotten a VCR for free, and I'd had all of these... uh, old home movies from when I was about like seven and eight years old that I hadn't watched since then. So the day that she passed away, I was like, fuck it, man, I'm going to just marathon these. So I popped them in the VCR and I just kept watching them. And I laughed and I cried and I exhausted myself. And through watching them and also looking at a lot of old photos from when I was a kid that I hadn't seen in a long time, I discovered a part of myself that I'd been masking with self-doubt for many, many years. I discovered that all of the ideas of myself that I had of my past were like these exaggerations, like these, uh, it was, I was making myself out to be a lot worse than I actually was. And I came out of it so much less cynical than I was before. And I think that After that having happened to me, when I saw Shia LaBeouf's All My Movies and like saw him uh, like start out very cynical and being like almost like playing into the idea that he he isn't cool anymore. It's almost like he has this this persona of at least this is the vibe I get from him with very little context. Uh, He has this persona with his beard and like his making fun of himself. It's almost like. He's cynical about his past self and he's making fun of it and playing into the idea that people don't like his movies. It's almost like watching them all was like this punishment for himself or like this joke. That's how it came off to me. I thought it was stupid at first. But as it's going on, I'm seeing him start to go from cynical guy to guy who feels things and guy who actually is watching his movies and 
rediscovering himself. And I get the feeling that he came out of it less cynical. He came out of it appreciating something that he'd forgotten was real about him. And I think that everybody else responded to it positively too, more than they expected to. The reason why I found out about all my movies at all was because Mark Covino had been posting about it a lot on his Facebook because he was really into it. And uh, he responded extremely positively to it. He like said he was inspired to work on the project he was working on more because of having seen it. And Cody Clark also responded extremely positively. He said he was inspired by it as well. So I think that other people were affected similarly to how I was. I'm sure that there were countless ones who felt like I did in some le- on some level that they, they started to realize that they wanted to think about themselves and didn't want to be ashamed of it. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that, I think that if you have the opportunity to, like if you have movies, if you have the opportunity to go back and watch them all, do it. If you have home movies, like recordings of yourself from when you were a kid or whatever, and you have the opportunity to watch those, do it. Because you will have an experience that I feel like I stumbled to just try to describe, that you just can't describe. You just got to have it. So just do yourself a favor and uh, pay yourself some fucking attention. Thanks, Chloe. And now... Back to the show. And we are back. Welcome back. And uh, before we get into Days of Heaven, I got a couple plugs. Don't skip over these. These are dope. These people are supporting the show on Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash SmugFilm. You can go there and support the show. And one of the rewards is we will plug your shit on the show. (laughs) Plug your shit. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds dirty, right? It sounds... Sounds very overtly dirty. Sounds like butt stuff, man. Sounds like gay butt stuff. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) All right. So our first sponsor is, of course, Bobby Slow on Twitter. This guy, Jay, he's donated. He's awesome. I'm going to just read some tweets of his because I got to come up with something to do every week because he he paid for the thing where we plug you every week. And uh, I'm just going to read some recent tweets of his. Guy asked me how my football team is doing because I was wearing a college sweater. I have no freaking clue, pal. I was just cold, all right? (laughs) Cue laughter. (laughs) You know, he's fun to follow. He actually, he's got a lot of followers. He's got over a thousand followers and he's only following like 200 people. Like that's a really good ratio. They always talk about in Twitter, you got to have like a good ratio. Like it doesn't matter how many people you're following. It just has to be that your followers are like a good ratio to that. You feel me, Chloe? I know you don't, uh, you don't do any Twitter. Well, Toolguy45 has a Twitter, but he doesn't use it very much because yeah, he a, doesn't have a computer. That's so. a fictional character you created, by the way. Hey, man, come on. Don't break the fourth wall with the Toolguy45. But there's no, there's no Chloe Peltier Twitter. No, there isn't. You got to do that at some point. I'm very active on Facebook, though, as many of you are aware. Yeah, add Chloe on Facebook. She's active. In fact, my friend John, not John D'Amico, other John has told me many times that I should get a Twitter because he's fucking tired of seeing my how often I post on Facebook and he says that Twitter's better for that or something. I don't know. Yeah, do some do some tweeting. Uh, oh, all right. I just noticed something. Bobby Slow just followed Alexis Bladell from Gilmore Girls. Oh. Yeah, he followed her recently, maybe a couple of days ago. You like Gilmore Girls. I like Gilmore Girls. That's a Gilmore good Girls. show. 
I'm not through show. with it yet, but it's a good show. Yeah, it's Alexis Bledel's Twitter. She's cute. Yeah, she's only following 13 people, and she's followed by 155,000. That's a great ratio. That is. That's a hell of a ratio. That's much better than Bobby Slow's ratio, but it's a hell of a lot better than my ratio. Let me check my ratio. I'm following 284 people, and I'm followed by 515. That's a a decent ratio, but Bobby Slow's got me beat. I got to figure out what Bobby Slow's doing that I'm not doing. Here, I'll read one more tweet of his, and then I'm going to go to the next plug. What are those loud roars and screams that happen outside at night? I'm assuming everyone hears them. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that it's, got, just, it's got four faves. That rose, that rose more questions than... I kind of like that one. It's like yeah, a little mini it's, story. It's very, uh, it's very ominous. <laughs> right on, Bobby Slow. So yeah, Bobby <laughs> Slow, thank you for your kind donation. We'll continue to uh, plug your shit every episode. You know, we said on the thing, we're going to plug you for like 30 seconds, but I don't know. We just like plugging people for a long amount of time. It's fun to talk about random shit that's not movies and talk about random people's stuff. So, uh, yeah, we're, you're getting your money's worth when you donate to uh, the Smug Film Patreon. Yeah, get your uh, prostate stimulated hard. That's right. right. Plug your shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Chloe. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm very classy. All right. So our next plug is, of course, Minor Key Games. Now, have you you played any of these, by the way? Because you're, you used to be big into the video games. Uh, um, I, <laughs> I sort of. No, I haven't played them. I've heard about them. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been begging you to play Super Win the game. That's true. You have. That's a good ass game. I think Eldritch looks good. That's a, that's a really good one, too. But. Super win the game in particular. I mean, you remember this for like a couple yeah. of days. I was just in it. Yeah, you were. I was just playing that shit nonstop. And that's yeah, that's rare for me. I'm not one of these like everybody's talking about Fallout 4. I don't know anything about Fallout. All I know is that there are apparently four of them. <laughs> that's all I know about Fallout. I still say that Fallout 4 reminds me of Blast from the Past. The movie, the Brendan Fraser film. I love Brendan Fraser. He's, a, he's an underrated man. I think I'm going to bring up Brendan Fraser every episode. Is he your unofficial plug? Yes. Brendan Fraser paid me $10 to talk about him every time. The way his career is right now, I would believe that. Oh. <laughs> poor poor Brendan Fraser. <laughs> oh. Poor Brendan Fraser. Come back, Brendan. But yeah, Minor Key Games. Go to minorkeygames.com. Two brothers, David and Kyle. They make really good games that are new but feel like older games and have that addictive older game quality. It's not addictive like Candy Crush or whatever that stupid shit people play is. You know, it's addictive in like the classic old school, like I'm having a great time with this thing. Like their their game Neon Struck. That's that's kind of like that GoldenEye feel. You know, I had I had fun with that. It was it's not like a shoot 'em up or anything, but just like the level designs and everything. It gave me that that those nice GoldenEye goosebumps. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're making me want to play all these. Like they're um, really good. And don't they do they have good music or no? Yeah, they've incredible music. They they compose the music. Uh, well, I think Kyle composed the music himself for Super Win the Game, and um, David got I forget what band, but he got some pretty cool like band to do like atmospheric ethereal music for a neon struct. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, so- Eldritch too, I think. So yeah, minorkeygames.com. Check them out. And uh, our last plug. 
for today is Room Full of Spoons, guys. Rick Harper's movie. He's been on the show a couple times. He's great. We love Rick. You like those episodes, right? Yeah, totally. He's awesome. Rick is a great dude. He's been really nice to us. He's been really good to us. He's I, he's a friend at this point. He's a he's a compadre. He's 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 mishpuka, as the Jews say. I think I think mishpuka. that's what I think that's a thing they say. But point being, this movie looks really fucking good. They got damn near everybody from the room, and it's the definitive documentary on the room it seems like it seems like how could anybody even do anything more definitive like they got all the people did all the interviews they went all over the world tracking down anybody who had anything to do with the film and uh i can't wait for it you can't wait for it yeah dude yeah so uh check it out roomfullofspoons.com all right so days of heaven yeah that's a good movie widely considered one of the most gorgeous films in the world to look at Rightly so. Very rightly so. Were you were you blown away? Yeah, dude. And I watched it on a laptop. Right. I still was blown away. Because I was worried that I that wasn't like doing it justice. Like I wasn't gonna like be doing the right thing by doing that. But I was like I was still like, damn. It's the colors, man. Yes, the colors. The colors are the light on people's faces and mm. all that great diffused, gorgeous natural light. Like you can you know, feel naturally skin. Di- yeah, naturally diffused by God. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Gorgeous, gorgeous light in that film. Nestor Looks Almendros. Like yeah, Nestor Almendros, cinematographer. I mean, the classic thing I've talked about on the show before, but he was, you know, the Teamsters and everybody were furious in him and thought he was an idiot because he was just telling people to take down lights all the time. Because they're, you know, you get to a film set, if you're there to put together lights, you get there in the morning, you put together lights. And then that's what you do. But he was just constantly taking down the lights that they put up. And they thought he was a fucking moron. And they thought what he was trying to do with the light wouldn't work. And then people see, you know, the dailies and whatever, and they're blown away. And then at a certain point, they had a lot of respect for him. But it was like just him and Malik knew what was going on. Like the, the, the sort of grunt workers that were putting everything together, they, they thought this shit was like never going to work. Because it, it broke a lot of rules as far as lighting is concerned. I mean, they were they were barely lighting anything. They were just using what God gave them. And it's it's so gorgeous. And it's a perfect fuck you to anybody who thinks you need tons and tons of lights and everything. It's like, no, you don't. You just need good light. And maybe you wait all day for that good light. But if you capture that good light, it's going to look good. That's true, man. And you do the same thing with uh, your movies too, man. Yeah, I haven't really lit any of my films to date. You know, they've just been natural light and I've gotten result that I'm really happy with and that a lot of people have been really happy with seeing. You know, I get compliments on on my light and it's it's one of those things where like you can only take the compliment to a certain extent because you really do feel like you just showed up for it, you know? It's like I yeah. showed up and that light was there and I, I made the choice of not interfering. You know, that's that's all I did is I, I just let it be what it is. Yeah, dude. And I think it creates a better, um, it creates a more real vibe from the actors too, because they're in the natural light. They're not under all these hot, like fake things. Exactly. People don't realize that with films is like, when you see some great acting, you got to also remember it's, it's even more great because you got to think of the very unnatural environment that comprises everything behind the camera and everything in the air, all the lights, 
beaming down on them. And then you got to think about, oh, if they have a lavalier mic, then the lav that's like tickling the back of their neck and going down their back and going into like a battery pack on, in their pocket and all sorts of shit. Or like the boom mic hanging in the air, looming over them. So when you see like truly great acting, you, you got to overrate it, if anything, because yeah. you got to remember all that's that's going on. That's a distraction that's that takes you out of it. Yeah, and like the acting in that movie is really good. And um, I don't even know where to begin with that movie. I know that people have been telling me to watch that movie for years. It seems to be like if you see it, it just automatically becomes one of your favorites because there's something that it does that's just, it does so well that you can't really find anywhere else pretty much. Yeah, dude, it, it, it's magical. And then the music adds too. Oh my God, yeah, that soundtrack. And I love that in the credits, it shows like the old photographs of actual people from that time period and with that music. So it really puts you in that mindset. And then when you see it, you don't feel like you're looking at actors from that time period at all. You feel like you're looking at people who are actually like it feels like it's an actual uh, almost like you're you're transplanted into actual time. And it's not like you're thinking about, well, what is it? Richard Gere? Is that who it is? Yeah, Richard Gere. Yeah, it's you're not you're not sitting there going like, oh, that's Richard Gere. Like I didn't even like make the connection that it was him like until afterwards. Well, he was he didn't have his his white hair yet, you know. True. <laughs> yeah. And like, what's the name of the actress? Uh, she's incredible. Brooke Adams. She she just has like this quality about her, like her plainness, but like her beauty, like where I wouldn't call her plain in the least. She's gorgeous. Well, you know what I mean. Like it's an unconventional kind of beauty, though. And yeah, she is gorgeous. I agree. I think it's, I think that she just looks so, um, she ain't unconventional for me. <laughs> I mean, she ain't, uh, well, I don't know. She's gorgeous. That's what I'm trying yeah, to say. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you that she's gorgeous. I just mean like, I, she's not made up. She's like, yeah, she's, she's very like, naturally uh, beautiful. Exactly. And, uh, it's amazing, especially because she's so sad for so much of the film and yeah. like, it's so unspoken, like how sad she is. It's like it, her face just says so much. And, mm. uh, and like the lighting adds to that and everything. And then I also love the seasons changing, yeah. like parts with the winter and the summer. I like, like the, movies where you get that full like experience of seeing a year or more yes. where you get to see all the seasons change. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, it's a beautiful thing it's, to be able to see winter in a film and fall in a film and spring and summer. You know, not to plug spring, summer, fall, winter, and spring again. One of my favorite films. It's so good. That but, movie. Yeah, is I mean so that's good. that's a five out of five for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean that's yeah. just a gorgeous film, and you get that from that film, and you get it with Days of Heaven too. You also get it from uh, Rushmore. People forget that you get that from Rushmore. You see some months. You see weather change, and I think it really helps that film. Yeah, like Rushmore. I actually haven't seen, but you guys have talked about it a lot. All right. Well, and- that's. See, that brings us to figuring out your next three movies to watch. Yeah. Rushmore is going to be one of them. And you know why, though, besides just you talking about it a lot? When I was a kid, me and my mom used to go to the video store. I would see the cover of Rushmore like every single time. I never got it. I don't know why. I well, was always like seeing it and wondering what it was. Now you're going to see it. And it's a great yeah. film. But uh, what it's would fun. you give Days Out of Heaven out of 10? I mean, five. I already told you. I know, I but come on, it. say it again. Five. <laughs> it doesn't count as a spoiler if you don't then do it. You know That's what I mean? <laughs> if you That's just say <laughs> spoiler alert later on, I'm going to give it a five and then you never do that. Then it's like, <laughs> what happened here? 
But yeah, yeah, five of the five from you. I'd give it. Mm, I'm gonna go four. Damn, dude. I'm gonna go four. You wanna know why I'm going four? Why? Nah, I'm gonna go four and a half. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, why? I said I was like, you wanna know why <laughs> four? And then I had no reason for it to be a four instead of a four and a half. <laughs> I just didn't have one. I don't know. First, it was like it came out four, and then I realized nope, four and a half. Immediately regretted it. So yeah, four and a half. But uh, Rushmore is going to be your first film. Watch that one okay. first, all right? Of the okay. three that we're going to decide. Then, what, what, should, what should you watch after Rushmore? Let's see. See, this I'm doing off the top of the dome. You know, this isn't... I didn't plan this whatsoever. Just whatever you do. Please don't make me watch Biodome. Why? That's a good movie. I know, but I already seen it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, usually when people bring up that movie... It's because they're using it as just like a thing to talk about like a shitty film. You know, they're using it as an example of a bad movie, but you're just bringing it as an example of a movie you've seen already. Yes. That's pretty rare. Usually people bring up Biodome and it's in negative light, but you were like, no, I just, I've seen that one before. So not, (laughs) so not Biodome. I used to hate it, but now I'm like a little bit more open-minded about it. No, it's wonderful. It's not it's not the best Pauly Shore, but I'd put it like number three or whatever. I like Encino Man the best. That's yeah. my favorite. Son-in-law is my favorite, then Encino Man, then Biodome. Word. Right on. So Rushmore. Now, here's a question. Have you seen Goodfellas? No. Your second one is Goodfellas. Okay. <laughs> You're watching Goodfellas, kid. Oh, wow. Goodfellas is amazing. Yeah, that's what I hear, man. You're watching Goodfellas. Okay. All right. I don't even need to justify that one. It's you're just watching it. It's great. All right. All right. So Rushmore, Goodfellas, and what else? Hmm. Because part of this, I mean, for people who haven't heard the first episode, part of this is like filling gaps in movies you haven't seen. Because you're at this weird point in your life where you've seen like Carlos Sora stuff, but you haven't seen like Goodfellas. Yeah. You know, you got this like weird thing going on. So we guys kind of got to even it out. I guess your third one would have to be, well, what? give me a genre. I'm going to let you pick genre on this. Um, I didn't watch any horror in October. I'll be honest with you guys. Mm. I didn't watch any of the, uh, I didn't watch any of the horrors that John D'Amico put on YouTube, which I will watch eventually. I didn't watch. I just, I, I didn't. It's, it's bad. No, you're watching Candyman. Candyman. Okay. Yeah. You're watching Candyman because we couldn't get Jenna to watch Candyman because she's too scaredy cat. So I'm you're doing... gonna you're gonna put on your big boy pants and you're gonna watch Candyman. Yeah, boy. Yeah, you're gonna because love... you made Jenna feel like a chump for watching uh, Rocky because she still hasn't watched Rocky. So now you're gonna make her feel like even more of a chump because you're gonna watch Candyman. She's like a coconut or whatever. Yeah. Uh... Silly coconut. So. Rushmore, Goodfellas, Candyman. That works. And we'll yeah, do remember, an episode for that. Yeah, your description of like hearing Candyman through your sister's little TV and it's still sounding scary was fucking horrifying, man. <laughs> like, well, you're going to watch it and you're going to be scared. And you know I'm going to be alone. And mm-hmm. I'm always alone when I watch these. So I'm going to be alone in my apartment watching Candyman in the dark. I'm probably going to like have the shit scared out of me. You're going to lose your mind, kid. Oh, my God. I can't wait to talk to you afterwards. Oh, my God. I'm going to be like, Cody, <laughs> I don't know what's what's real and what's not. All right. So I guess that closes it out. 
<laughs> any any final thoughts for our audience before we ski daddle? Mm. I think yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the episode, I assume. Yeah, I guess. All right. So no no thoughts for you. Apparently, you don't care about the audience. I love our audience, man. It's like you were saying, our audience is like actually one of those rare good audiences. Yeah. So just uh, yeah, shout out to our audience. And shout out to all who have donated on Patreon. You know, if you if you want this episode to be even longer, guess what? You donate to patreon.com slash smugfilm. And when you see this episode goes up, you'll be able to hear an extra 15 minute. Or we're about to record an extra, you know, 10, 15 minute length episode right now after we hit stop. So uh, yeah. all you got to do is donate a dollar a month and you get every Monday a bonus like 15 minute episode of the show. It's incredible. It's a great deal. So uh, definitely do that. And uh, thank you all for listening. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.